This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erechor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalem again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined, well not as always because there was a one week hiatus <laughs> last week by Luke Ristrell. Luke, hello. How was your mid-season break? Yeah, just You're usually not a fan of these, recharge Will. Recharge the batteries. Gonna... Well, full disclosure, there have been occasions where we've done stuff like this before, but we just recorded two podcasts and pretended that it was like we never go on holidays. Don't tell them, they don't know. They never go home, those boys, as they say with the second captains. Uh, How is Scotland? You got a nice colour? Yeah, do I? <laughs> my red face in general. Uh, no, it was great. Good to recharge good the batteries trip? in the business end of the season. Like, you know, so back, I'm raring to go. How did you get on without me? Did you miss me? I missed you terribly, Will. Uh, Keen was a good... Uh, he uh, was a good counterweight mm. uh, we had a lot of fun um, he's been an excellent guest on the show he did a great job uh, coming in fairly you know with a week's notice I suppose but yeah. see, you know it's, it's a difficult ask to come in and big shoes to fill Will yeah like I, I, I feel shoes. like in a way I've been Keane's mentor in a lot of ways you know bringing him into this left wing family and then you know bringing him into the, the big seat oh, as well like God. you know Keane Tracy if you're listening you know, you're welcome I really regret complimenting you're, you you're welcome really for all the help I've given your career why'd you do that fantastic print journalist <laughs> but I'm opening him up to being you know an all rounder you are a pothole what a pothole <laughs> uh, it is It was good. it's good to have you back and very exciting week to have you back I knew you wouldn't miss the big one oh, Will this is um, the semi-final weekend it's funny like quarter-final weekend is great because you have the, you know, the, the eight games across the two tournaments but for semi-finals it's, it's the heavyweights are left and like mm. this year I think we do have the four the four best teams Claremont maybe might argue that they're in the mix too but they're not in the tournament this year so we have the four heavyweights slugging it yeah. out it doesn't get much better than that No it's been it's been uh, I think just reward for a lot of hard work from these teams and I think it's going to be really interesting like there's they're really difficult matches to call uh, I do have a view on it but um, no spoilers. We'll say no spoilers as of yet, but I, I just think they're going to be. It makes for a really, really exciting uh, weekend of rugby. I think Leinster have a bit to go, uh, but Toulouse, you saw how good form they're in. Like they're just playing such expansive rugby. Whether or not that works for them in the Aviva, uh, I, I have my doubts. Uh, I think percentage rugby usually wins out in, in, and pragmatism usually wins out at this stage of the year. But what a match. Some great talent on show. I'm just hoping Lenser bloody picks James Lowe. I just, he's so exciting. I'd hate to see him miss out uh, again at, at, at the kind of key stages. He deserves a spot. He's, you know, he's justified, um, you know, being being picked based on, you know, past performances. And he'd be a loss. We want to see the best players on show. So hopefully he gets picked. On the Munster Saracen side, Owen Farrell back in the mix. Uh, Joey Carby, unfortunately. After missing like the quarter final with the birth of his child, as we covered in detail we covered a few <laughs> weeks back. <laughs> Uh, they had enough of the tank so lucky for him and he's won a few already so that probably played a part in his decision but Joey Carberry looks like he might be missing we, mm. we're, we're, we're unsure as of yet but I, I suggest they're better off not picking him at this stage they yeah. just need to get that hamstring right you just don't want this thing they could be involved the, in a final in a few weeks uh, it's not even that it's more actually for me the rest of his career if you don't respect hamstring injuries they can really bug you forever so they just need to get this thing right now you know box it off have no doubt. He doesn't need any doubt going into his mind when he's kicking or when he's making a break. That's a big part of his game. 
So I hope they respect it and they just let it heal. I think it sounds like it's not fully right and it's just not the time to be risking it, you know. I and think you, there's lots of rugby to be played. They're in, they're in two competitions. I think here, when Luke Fitzgerald gives a warning about injuries, it should probably be heated. <laughs> given I, unfortunately, it's one area you really do know. The specialist. Uh, I'm really not bluffing about that area. Um, but look, it's a, it's a very exciting weekend. And you, as you said, all the heavyweights yeah. involved. And we're going to be joined by uh, Munster and Ireland legend Dennis Leamy in just a minute to talk about the weekend ahead and, and some of his own memories playing in the Heineken Cup because it's interesting when you have Leinster and Munster in, in semi opposite semi-finals. Like this is I think the fifth time they've been in opposite semi-finals. We've never gotten that all Irish final, Leinster v Munster, which I think is every Well, we had the Ulster one, but not the same. Like Leinster pumping us by 30 is not like as good as Leinster playing Munster. Fine, I get you. No, um, no, I agree. You know, uh, Leinster Munster in a, in a European final is like the mother and father of all European finals. It would be incredible. Yeah. So very exciting. Hopefully it comes to pass. Uh, in terms of Dennis coming on, he was a last minute request today <laughs> and he obliged as most, you know, most ex-teammates or teammates you'd expect uh you know, likewise that, you know, if he asked for favour, you do it. And it was great to get him on. And I have to say, it's, he's one of the guys, I, I'm actually not lying, I, I, I shit you not, I believe is the expression, <laughs> but he's a guy that, um, when people ask me when I first went into camp, Irish camp, who I was most impressed with, uh, it was himself and David Wallace. David Wallace was just a freak of an athlete, just a freak. I'd already been in camp with Brian O'Driscoll and Gordon Darcy in, in Leinster, so I understood what they were bringing to the table. But, Bar being in awe of Ron Nogaris kicking and Paul O'Connell and these guys, John Hayes, just the sheer size of the man. <laughs> those two guys were unbelievable, man. Honestly, like Dennis Leamy, or like Wally was just a freak of an athlete. He was just like the perfect specimen and he was so powerful and quick and everything. But Dennis Leamy, I'm telling you, that guy was some player. And Munster supporters of that era will tell you because they were watching him week in, week out. He was unbelievable. His hands, man. He had like he had these big shovels. Yeah, but he had he was when such he a skillful player. He used to catch the ball, like you know, <laughs> the, the classic Gaelic football uh, W. But like honestly, he and he was so tough, and he was so good on the ball. He was in great shape. Yeah. Like, he was a brilliant. I think he's player. one Seriously. of the more underrated players of that era. Like he gets kind of lost in the shuffle a bit, but like just before he slip emerged, he played eight for a number of years for Ireland, and he was really good. I remember I'm unbelievable. when, when they won injury. in Twickenham. They won a game in Twickenham in 06, I think, and he yeah. scored a lovely try he, with a, one of those big shovel hands. He flicked it out of the line and, and got it down for like. Three seasons, and when Munster won those Ireland Cups, he was top class. Eight. Oh, he was an unbelievable. Honestly, people like I think maybe sometimes you had to train or play against him to really appreciate how good he was. Man, he was such a skillful player. The likes of I'm sure Raj and these guys, particularly Strings and Tom Tomas O'Leary, would tell you he he was just so skilled. He could throw that guy the ball in any scenario, and it's going to stick. Uh, and he had a lovely short passing game. He was a really skillful player. So. Great to have him on. He was a brilliant rugby brain, and it'll be interesting here. He's kind of forthright. I think you'll get it'll come across in the interview now. He's he's very clear thoughts on the game. I believe he's still he's doing a bit of coaching, which is um, which I think he'd be a great guy for young, particularly young forwards to be. You know, like kind of teaching them the basics of the game, teaching them how to play the game in the in you know the, the right way. In, in, <laughs> in inverted commas, he's the perfect guy for that. So. Um, Interesting to get his opinions on what he's doing at the moment. What you know, what he thinks about Munster, what he thinks about maybe some of the the past experiences, the Leinster Munster clashes. So, looking forward to having yeah, him on. We'll have him on in just a minute. But, but first, just I, I want to get your opinion on something because obviously we, we talked a bit off air. It was a big weekend for sport in general. We talked about Tiger Woods, how he won the Masters, and, and how great that was. The other big news story of the weekend. I don't know if you call it news. Was Game of Thrones final season premiere. I was interested to know, are you a fan of Game of Thrones? <laughs> of course I am, yeah. I was glued to it, yeah. I would have stayed up till two o'clock, but my girlfriend uh, was like, you, you can't do that. And I was like, why? I really, really, oh, really? want I want to. I want to a Game of Thrones nerd. <laughs> no, I actually love it. I'm, I'm big into all the Star Wars and all that kind of Who's stuff. Who's your favourite Game of Thrones character? Oh, favourite Game of Thrones character. You'd definitely be a Lannister, I think, if you were... Well, I've that. got the hair for it. Well, the little bit of hair I have is blonde, I suppose. Uh, who do I like? Luke Lannister. I like, uh, speaking of Lannisters, Jamie Lannister's come full circle. Uh, bar the incest, he's pretty, he seems like a pretty pretty stand-up guy. Um, who else is good? I like, um, I like your man, uh, is it uh, Torin or, you know, the red-haired guy, the... Uh, Tormund. Tormund, Tormund. Mm. Sorry, I like him. He's a good character. He's a bit of crack, isn't he? And who else is good? John, like you have to like John Snow. He's a bit boring, but oh, uh, yes. he he, like he gets the birds. He gets man. the birds, and he's <laughs> right. He's I you know it's too late. I'm not on a spoiler at this stage, but uh, the, the old dragon riding. He was he took to that pretty well. 
good with the Riding atop the dragon for the, the Battle of the yeah. Bastards was a great. He was great in that. Uh, Sansa's been a good character. She's come around nicely. You've appreciated actually. her character development. Fairly dark now, I think. And she, yeah. But she looks like she's got a good bit of it figured out. So I like. I like what her. did you make of when they beheaded Ned Stark in the early seasons? Were you shocked? Breaking. It was you, man. Even the, the 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 red wedding. Yeah. Like th- those moments, you're kind of like. What? I've invested so the, much the guy in who stabs Rob Stark uh, is a member of my gym and I've been tempted to go up to him so many <laughs> times actually, and be like the Lannisters send their regards <laughs> yeah he lives in town yeah I always see him cycling his Bruce Bolton the actor who played Bruce Bolton is from Dublin I really want to go up is to he? him but I'd say he gets that all the time uh, I just go up and say well we're you know lifting weights You're, the Lannisters do, send their do regards you know, <laughs> do you know when you it, it's. I'm gonna say this. It's one of those things that you're gonna. You, you'll have something in your mind that you're like, I want to say something smart to him. I guarantee you, like a hundred other people have said it to him. Oh, it's, yeah. it's the same thing with rugby. Like you get some guy saying something smart to you, and you're like, well, it, and you have to laugh. It, you have to keep laughing. Like, just, like it's like the like the golf jokes with Rory McIlroy. I got about two years though. of it. They're funny though. <laughs> yeah, but they're, no, no. They're, sorry, it was really funny. But you know when you're on the other yeah, side, and it yeah, looks yeah. like real sour grapes if you don't laugh. Yeah. So it's like a real double-edged sword for you uh, to bring it back to a little Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, nicely, nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, but it is because you're kind of like, well, if I if I'm like, oh man, sh- seriously, shut up. I had it like for this yeah. is like nonstop. So <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you, you kind of have to be like, good one, you know, with the the old thumbs up. Well, very disingenuous. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember a good few years ago now when I was in college. Where are we going with all this? I was doing deliveries for a restaurant. I remember it came up on the bill, Brian O'Driscoll. I was like, okay, I have to think of something good, sna- something snappy. To- it was just before the World Cup in 2011, so I was like, oh, I have to think of something snappy to say. This is a big guy in Irish rugby. And I was like driving. And I think I was actually wearing like an Ireland jacket just by having such. I was driving there. I was like, what like I say? I had this funny one-liner. He opened the door, I paid him, and I just completely bottled it and walked off and you said, see, see you, you later. I think I was like, good luck at the World Cup. And I was like, ran off. I was originally going to say something funny, but I just completely yeah, bottled it. Too much pressure, yeah. No, probably best because he's probably sick of that kind of stuff. You yeah. Imagine we got to say something about. Oh, really? I hope you run that off, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. Well, as I said to Jamie, he's something we had him in years ago. I once delivered him a huge burger the night before Pro 11, 11, 12 final, and Leinster lost. So you know. Could have been the burger. Could have been the Thanks burger. But well, you had money on that one as well, didn't you? Ah, let's not get into it. I have money on all of them. Let's not get into it. On that note, I'm delighted to welcome Ireland and Munster legend Dennis Leamy to the show. Dennis, thanks so much for joining us. No problem at all, guys. How are you? How are you, Dan? How are things? Good now, yeah. Good, good, good. Can't complain. I believe yeah. the last time I saw you was Dan and Mallow, was it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. We did a Q&A together, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesus, I don't know. Was it was it two years ago now? But uh, yeah, I remember you were you were late as usual, but it was good all day. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis, you got a good window into my life working with Luke Fitzgerald, having to sit through a Q and A with him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I guess just, I know obviously we have a great weekend of rugby uh, coming up with the Champions Cup semi-finals, but while I have, I guess, the two of you here, it's the 10-year anniversary of that famous semi-final in Croke Park, Leinster versus Munster, one of the biggest games in the history of Irish rugby, I'd say. Uh, obviously, Luke has better memories than you do, Dennis, but uh, although you came out on the wrong side of the result, like, what do you remember about the day? It was it was some occasion in Croke Park. <laughs> yeah, it was an unbelievable occasion. It was a, it was a massive week, the lead-up to the game. It was actually... Uh, I suppose at that stage um, I was in a team that was used to being playing in, in big games, but that took on a, a different sort of life of its own, and uh, you couldn't get away from it really. Everywhere you went, walking down the streets in Cork, where I lived at the time, everyone stopped and talking about it. It was on the TV, it was on the newspapers, on the radio. Yeah, it was a massive occasion, and um, you know, disappointing from a monster point of view, obviously. But it, uh, you know, it put rugby front and centre in, in, in Irish sports people's minds, anyway. Yeah, look, I think that was my like the, my favorite kind of era for for Irish rugby almost because this was the Leinster Munster rivalry was so good. They were probably the two best teams in Europe for like two or three seasons. So every time they played, there was such a bite. Like, what do you remember about that game in particular? Because Leinster were under, I know Munster were under pressure because they were going for two in a row. But Leinster, your kind of your bottle was questioned, your guts were questioned by people in the media in this building as well. Um, what do you remember about the build-up? Yeah, look, it was kind of all it all kind of fell into place for us perfectly. I think. Our team was definitely not as developed. I think we'd go on to be a far better team. Uh, I actually thought that Munster team was a lot better. They'd beaten us really well uh, twice that year. And it just kind of all the chips just fell into place for us on the day. There was a few things. I remember Keith Earls made a great break early in the game. Rocky Elson, five yards offside. Miles <laughs> offside. Miles. 45. <laughs> Honestly, uh, strings could have passed him the ball. It would have been grand. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so look, it was... Um, 
it was a great day for Lance, a real turnaround moment for us, especially having had the disappointment in, in 06. Now, I wasn't involved in that one, but I was at the game. And it was great that we we'd got nearly 50-50 with the Munster supporters there, obviously. And it'll be great to, now, this weekend. It'll be interesting to see. I'd say they'll probably outnumber the Saracen supporters. But Definitely. they usually outnumber most teams. And we got a fairly even split, which was great in our, in our own, I suppose, home patch. So... Um, yeah, look, it was a big turning point for Leinster. Great day to be involved, and as as Dennis said, it did put rugby front and center. And I think it's still the most. Uh, it was the biggest capacity, I think, and still is to this day for a Europe for a Heineken Cup game. I think in in in. Um, in Europe, so great day, good one, good one to be involved. And obviously, I have happy memories. Yeah, and just one last thing. Obviously, Johnny Sexton started that day on the bench, and that game was kind of the, the rise of Johnny Sexton. Kind of started in that game. Like, well, what do you remember about? I guess that part when you were when you saw Felipe go down, were you thinking, "Shit, we're, we're screwed here"? <laughs> like, you know, Johnny, like he was playing club rugby a few weeks ago. He's not going to be able to do this for us. Uh, no, I actually didn't. No, because I played a few games, but Johnny had been playing really well. Uh, he'd a, he'd a big one against uh, the Scarlets a few weeks back. He played brilliantly in that one, so he was actually in a good vein of form, and it was really actually a, quite a tight call at the time Felipe got the nod having been the senior guy but it was really really a tight call so um, yeah it was great like my memories of the day are obviously that that when we when Gordon Darcy got that try and I'm thinking you gobshite like why do you just stop I remember when he was oh, roaring Saxon, around yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that Raj had been niggling him for like since he'd come on the pitch and Leamy I'm sure was was poking the bear at some stage. Uh, <laughs> so he, he was fairly roiled up and it meant a lot to him uh, at the time. But I was thinking, geez, don't like, let's just keep it calm like we expect to be in the running in this thing. <laughs> um, so, and like, you just didn't want to poke the Munster bear yeah. a bit. I just it's felt like, like they like were... It's like that meme of Michael Scott from the office. He's like, keep calm. And he's just like, keep <laughs> <effing> calm. <laughs> but they just had that, like, they just had such a good team. Like Dougie Howlett on the... Like I was marking Dougie Howlett at the time, uh, who obviously was one of my heroes growing up. Like, what a player. But just generally across the pitch, like the pack was just unbelievable. They had pretty much the Irish pack playing. So I was thinking, like, let's calm down. Let's not like, spend any extra energy than we have to. We're going to have to, you know, fight off an onslaught at some stage against this team. So uh, that was my memories of that. And then obviously the great kick he got uh, when he just kept, I think it was in the second half, I, I snuck over for a try. And. Um, he got a great kick then. That was a real pressure when it put us in just a little bit beyond them and they had to really chase the game at that point. So uh, that was my memories of him on the day. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big game player. He was brilliant in the final as well. That drop kick against Leicester, fairly, you know, standout moment as well. Yeah, Dennis, from your perspective, like when when Johnny came on, I guess you, you had no idea that he plays such a big part in Irish rugby over the next 10 years. I'm sure you guys thought you could maybe get at him. I suppose, no, you could never predict uh, how how brilliant a player he will go on to become. Um you know, I think by the time he had arrived on the pitch, and I'm not sure what uh, your memories of the game, uh, Lukey, are, are a lot more positive than mine, and you seem <laughs> to have a better memory of it. But he arrived on the pitch, I would say, about 25 minutes into the game. Am I right in saying that? Or I think you're about right. Yeah, Felipe did his ACL. Remember, he was going yeah. for a. He was trying to step back inside, and he just the, the knee just collapsed under him. I think. Yeah. 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 Look at that stage. Like I think we we knew we knew it was going to be very very difficult. We we. You know, having played against Leinster, especially having played with a lot of the Leinster lads at international level, we were well aware of the quality Leinster had, and um, you know, we we would have we would have been, you know, very very much um, aware that if they clicked, how good Leinster could be. And unfortunately, I think Leinster clicked on the day. Their physicality on the day was was better than ours, which um, probably wasn't hadn't been the case for a while. And um, we were struggling at that point. And Johnny came on, and you know, look, he had a he had a, he had a brilliant game. He had a massive impact on the game. He brought a lot of passion. He probably saw he brought a, a maturity as well that we probably hadn't seen from him up to, up until then. But look, I think across the pitch, you know, and and it pains me to say it, but uh, you know, I think all the the best performances were in blue jerseys that day. And uh, you know, it wasn't from a lack of trying on our side, but, uh, you know, Leinster, in fairness, you know, showed their quality that day and, and went on to become an even better team from then on. And Dennis, I guess with, with 10 years hindsight now, looking back on, on the, maybe the build-up, like obviously, as Zook mentioned, you had beaten Leinster well twice that season. You know, you'd, you'd crushed the Ospreys in the quarterfinals. You had, like, I think eight guys named in the Lions squad. Like, Munster seemed to be steamrolling towards a second European Cup uh, uh, in a row. Was there an element of overconfidence looking back on it? I think I don't know if we ever got overconfident in any game, but I think we we were always confident about our ability to go and win games, and that just happens with teams. And I don't think there was an overconfidence. Um, I know 
we were probably strong favourites going into the game and I knew I know there was a chat on the, on a Tuesday leading into the game where Frankie Frankie Sheehan voiced his opinion that he was very, very worried about all the talk being about Munster. There was no one talking about Leinster. Leinster were playing a very, very savvy game in the media. And kind of, I think it went a little bit unnoticed in, in our camp, you know. And um, Frankie, I suppose, at the time was maybe being viewed as the prophet of doom. But we felt that, look, we could handle the occasion. We'd been there before. We had a, a, a very experienced uh, team right across right across the, 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 the pitch, you know. We, we quality right across the pitch. Um, we played probably the perfect game against Ospreys. And, you know, I suppose you've got to buy into that sort of level of confidence and believe that you can make it happen again. What we probably underestimated a little bit was how good Leinster were going to be. Um, we knew that they'd turn up. We knew that they'd play, but we weren't expecting them to play as well as they probably did in the day. And, uh, and that did catch us. And were there, was there kind of... Do you know, my, my sense of it afterwards is, because I completely agree with you in terms of... You know when you're talking about the group and that group getting overconfident. I just know the personalities in that room, like Paulie driving it, guys like Wally, you know, Raj, Dougie Howlett, all those guys, they have good heads on their shoulders, yourself included, Hazy. Like, there's no way that that team would ever get ahead of themselves or overconfident. But I kind of felt that, that exactly as you say it, and it was interesting to hear you say it about the media, that Leinster had kind of played the, very savvy. There was no talk of Leinster. Was there a nervousness amongst you guys about it? That was my my sense. That I was like, gee, like I I felt like you guys were nervous that we had been underestimated because usually you guys had been brilliant at building that kind of, you know, you know we're expect you know we're expecting a really tough game. You know, even if you were confident, siege mentality. Th that kind of siege mentality was always associated with you guys, and you guys pulled out big results when no one expected it. Did you feel that kind of way about us that week? That that was in the back of your minds. Yeah, like I I think like I mean we we had we had beaten Ospreys in Tolman Park on the Sunday, and I think we had come in for for our our post match dinner, and the Bloodgate game was on. And I remember watching it; it was a really close. I thought, am I right in saying that? Aren't I? I think it was on after our game. Yeah, it was directly it was. afterwards. Yeah, yes. yeah, the and six five. I remember yeah. watching it; it was a really close game, and, and I remember privately kind of thinking. Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I want Leinster to win this. You know, that kind of way. I think Harlequins would be the the easier one because I knew what Irish derbies were going to be like. I knew it was going to take on a life of its own. I kind of said, right, look, you know, if I had to pick right here with with whatever was left, twenty minutes or half an hour, you know, I think we would have taken Harlequins. Well, I would have anyway. You know, um, obviously, you guys hung on um, to win that game, and and you, we, you know, we knew that Leinster would be far better. The, the next day and I think like you say there was an awful lot of talk about us there was an awful lot of talk about our lines and, and the amount of players we had got on the lines tour and you know the the kind of um, I suppose there was an awful lot of praise coming from from the guys in the Leinster camp like the like Cheka he was heaping praise on Munster um, Brian was heaping praise on Munster and they were dodging everything about themselves and <laughs> I think they played a very very good game from that point of view and I, it, you're probably right Lukey I think it probably did uh, subconsciously add a lot of pressure to, to us that maybe you know over the years when we played Leinster we liked to, to think we were the underdogs and that we'd go into the game with the big point to prove we didn't have that really to grab onto in all nine yeah, look, it's 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 just it was interesting to hear you say because that was that was my sense of it, you know, because I always felt you guys, at, as particularly at that point, like we were we were a bit of a coming force, but I still felt like you guys had a very like you were such a strong team and you really showed it against the Ospreys. But it's interesting to hear the pressure kind of and and how it impacts different points in the game. Even senior guys like Raj and and Paulie and those guys who are you think are kind of unflappable, like and they're just always producing the big occasion. I just kind of felt like they never really got out of the blocks in the game. And then they were chasing it. It was kind of too yeah. late, you know. It was it's, it's, it was an interesting I, I turning think, point, you know. I think a big thing. I, I remember speaking to Brian afterwards uh, in Irish camp, and I remember him saying to me that that it was really important for Leinster that day to get ahead. That they felt uh, that you guys felt that you know um, when Munster get ahead, they generally uh, have a good way of, had a good way of control on the game and eking out the victory but maybe not so good coming from behind. And I thought that was interesting. And I kind of, looking back, I'd agree with, with, with Brian on that, absolutely, in that we were we were never brilliant at chasing the game because of the style of play we, we used. We, we probably didn't have um, the most expansive game. And if you'd go 10, you know, 12 points down, 
you know, in this day and age, it's not a big score. But back then, it was that was a significant lead, and we probably didn't, we weren't best equipped to reel in a team that went that far ahead. Well, I think you kind of really, like, it was the brain power, aside from the brawn and the bulk and the pack. I mean, you had some great finishers, like Earl Z, you know, Maffey, these guys, like, like Doug Howell, like, great finishers. Warwick on his day, very good as well. But I th- the strength of the team was that. It was the nucleus. It was the brain power. So yeah. I always felt yeah. like you guys were really, you had that now. Once you got ahead, it's an interesting point you make, and it's interesting to hear the conversations you have with different guys you wouldn't have been privy to. But I, I completely agree with that. I think that team was so strong if they got ahead. It was, they just kept, you know, they just kept the foot on the throat for the whole thing. You couldn't win a line out against them. They'd be mauling you, scrummaging you. Every, like they were just brilliant at all that and, kind of stuff. And it's interesting. Uh, obviously, that game was kind of like a shift in the balance of power in Irish rugby as well. Munster up to then had been winning the Heineken Cups have been winning the line share of the trophies but I guess Dennis after that game Leinster kind of got the upper hand like at the time did it feel uh, that way in any way or did you just thought it was a one-off result because Leinster did kind of go on a bit of a run against Munster after that no I I think I think that was always um, likely to happen I, I think you know looking from the outside you know Leinster would have probably been viewed as a sleeping giant you know in terms of the quality and, and obviously population and and um, the production line that, that Leinster would have. I think Leinster were going to get there someday. Uh, we were always trying to stop that and probably trying to push it further and further down the road. But I think privately we would have felt that, you know, Leinster were a common force. They just had too many good players. They were eventually going to get it right, you know, and um, we tried our best to, 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 to keep that at bay for long enough. But once Leinster, I think, crossed the line of winning the their first Heineken Cup, first European Cup. I think there, there was an inevitability that they would kick on and win, you know, two, three, four, uh, and they're still, you know, at the forefront of uh, European rugby off the back of that day, probably in 09. Yeah, and they have an, another chance this year, as do Munster. And Dennis, I guess we'll move on to <coughs> this weekend's action now, Saracens versus Munster in the Rico Arena. I guess a game you have good memories of, uh, rather than the Leinster one, you obviously beat them in a semi-final there in 2008. Different uh, set of circumstances this time. Uh, it's a very interesting game for Munster. They obviously played Saracens two seasons ago in the Aviv at the same stage, and Saracens were a good bit better. But it looks like Munster are much better equipped this time around to, to progress to the final. Like I think Munster, you know, I've been in, in, in I think uh, maybe three or four semi-finals uh, since '09. I'm not quite sure what the stat is, but I think this generation, this team, badly needs to jump that hurdle. And you know, I think you, you, you remember Peter Manny saying last year that he was he's been sick of being taught lessons at, at that you know at that stage of the competition. Um, I think it's this Munster team's time now. They, you know, it's you, you were talked about. You know, Leinster's big day in 09. We probably had our big day in 06. Um, this probably is, you know, Munster's big chance where they, you know, possibly can kick on from here. It's a very difficult, very difficult task for them. Sarri's looked awesome in the, in the quarterfinal against Glasgow. Um, I thought at times Munster um, struggled, you know, in, in a difficult away game. European Cup games away can, are never easy. But, you know, they found a way to win the game, which was very positive. But, I think this is Munster's time now and it's a game we really need to win, you know? Yeah, look, it's interesting just because as Dennis alluded to there about Peter O'Mahony's comments last year, like just since Munster last won a, a league title in 2011, Peter O'Mahony has lost four European semi-finals, three Pro 12 semi-finals and two Pro 12 finals mm. and they haven't won anything. So it's funny, like oh. even though there's a lot of different circumstances to what Leinster were going through in 09, similarly, this is kind of Almost D Day for Munster, is it? Like they, they need to get over the line at some stage, surely, with this group of players. Yeah, yeah look, look, they do. Like, uh, look, um, to say it's D Day is probably. I'm not sure that's right. I, I like I I to, like to build I it up. I know we're in the media, we like to build <laughs> it up. But I think they still are a bit of a coming force. Joey Carberry's first year, year down there, it's Frank Rand's first full year uh, there. But I think they've made massive steps forward. Um, I think they do miss Simon Zebo a little bit. He's a guy that kind of is the extra kind of creative bit for them. But. In terms of this, I, I do I do feel it is a really important day for them. Um, I think it might be a step too far against Saracens away. I've been really really impressed with them. Um, they haven't. They've had no luck in their draws over the years. Like Claremont, Toulon, Saracens, rassing away last year. And now but Saracens again. You have to beat again. these guys. You yeah. have to beat one of those like one or two of those teams along the way. Once True. you get to the knockout rugby, you just have to. It's the way. Uh, there's there's no. Once you get to a semi final, they're all good teams. I think so. I'm not sure that you really ever get a favourable draw. Um, you even look at Leinster playing Toulouse. Now. 
that they've got them this is their third time playing them I, I still tip them forward I think at home maybe we'll just shade it but um, it's a really difficult ask you're never going to come up against a bad team there I do think Munster though as Pete O'Mahony uh, said last year as, as, as Dennis alluded to uh, they do need to win when they're sick of learning lessons at this stage I hear Conor Murray as well saying like the reason he's probably hungry and he would have had some massive offers to go and play abroad but he wants to win something with Munster they've been so close on so many occasions that I think that I think this is uh, the, my, my my I think the league is probably more of a uh, more of the it's more attainable at this point for them. Uh, what I do like about them, and as Dennis said, they, they're winning the tight ones. They are winning the ugly like that one against Edinburgh. Edinburgh are really difficult ass to play over in, in Murrayfield. That was a huge game for them, and to come out on the right side of that, I think what I do like is that parts of their game are coming together. That is kind of cup rugby, you know, or, or at least you know finals rugby for for league. I think. The defense has, has really come good for them. That's been a big, big difference. Best defense in the tournament. Yeah, and, and I'm not surprised at that. They've really come on leaps and bounds in that area, and that's a key part. You need to be able to, you know, snuff teams out. You need to be, you need to be able to have that kind of defensive pressure on teams where, even if things aren't going right for you, and it won't go right for you at a different stage in attack because I think it's a little bit harder to deliver on those things under pressure. Defensively, it's just about being organised and being willing to put the body on the line. If you can get that right, it's a big step forward. And they have good kickers around the pit, like Conor Murray, if it's Kicking is good. They can put pressure on you in all different sorts of ways. So, uh, look, I do like them at this stage of the year. I think Saracens might be a step too far for them. Um, but the team is developing well, and I still feel like the league for them, I tipped them early on to, to to maybe go ahead and win the league this year. And I think that's probably where I feel like they have more success this season. But they are knocking on the door. It's where you want to be, but they, they need to at some point, either in the league or the cup, they need to get over the line, need to win something. Yeah, Dennis, what do you make of that? Maybe yeah, the Pro 14 being a more attainable goal this season, would you go along with that? Yeah, look, it, it probably is, but I think there's a, there's, a, there's a savage hunger down this part of the country for a European Cup, and um, it's the one real hard currency um, among the fans, you know, among among everyone that's interested in Monster Rugby. And look, a league, a league would be brilliant, and it would be a, a brilliant stepping stone. I think... Um, you know, it's been it's been eleven years now since we've been in a in a European Cup final. I think there's a massive hunger, a massive desire to be back at that stage. Um, and you know, I think I, I, I feel while I feel Munster are underdogs going into the game, I think I think they can I think they can you know really ask questions of this Saracen side. Um, Saracens are very very good and they play that pitch really well, which I think is significant of. The all-weather pitches, um, they, they kind of change the game, in my opinion, and, and how Munster deal with that aspect is going to be very important. But I feel, you know, there's quality, especially in the Munster back five and the scrum. I think there's a lot of very, very good players. And if they can, you know, do well in the line-out and, and contest the breakdown and, and slow things up, and they are, as as Lukey said, they're, they're defensively organised, very, very organised. I think they can, you know, at least push the Saracens team all the way, hopefully. No Joey Carberry, it looks like though Luke mm. Tyler Blaine is going to step in. He played against him two years ago and he had uh, he didn't go very well at the Aviva Stadium and Saracens won well. Do you think, can Munster win if he's playing instead of Joey Carberry? Oh, I do. I think he's actually been really good since he's come back. You know, I still feel like they, it might be him at 10 and Joey at 15 might be their, might be Munster's best team. Uh, I don't think that'll happen because Joey's gone down to play 10 there and he's been really, really good there. Um, I think Conor Murray was missing on that day as well. And, yeah. and that, that's something we, you know... It's hard to quantify the impact that he has on the team because his foot, his imprint is everywhere. The kicking game is so strong for Munster. The way he's so robust, he's almost like a ninth forward in there. His Still defensive some question ability. marks over his form, though. Yeah, but I think he's come back strong. He was really good in that second half against Edinburgh, which is great to see. Just not not just from a Munster perspective, but from an Irish perspective as well, because he's such an important player for both teams. So um, I think he's coming coming into some form at the right time. I think he's the he's a key player for Munster. I think what I would say is leaving leaving. Aside Joey Carby, a guy who I think has a big could have a massive impact on the game is Keith Earls. We saw how good he was against Edinburgh, but the more touches that guy gets in the ball, the better Munster will play. And he can take pressure off the likes of Farrell, uh, off the likes of Blaindale to be that other playmaker as well for them as alongside uh, Scandal, as well as being the running threat. He needs to be involved in the game as much as possible. What I do think is going in Munster's favour, and the reason I think it will be a tight game, I think 
is the pack is playing really well. Kilcoyne is having the season of his life. His carrying ability has just been brilliant. CJ looks like he's been, you know, going along at a good pace. Peter romani has been outstanding. And Dennis will tell you more about the line-out than I could ever tell you. But I just think Peter Mahoney, especially in the defensive part of the line-out, like, geez, he's just an absolute nightmare. And he could put huge pressure on teams if they kick the ball well and get in the, put, put Munster in the right areas of the pitch. He's just a nightmare, especially at the front of the line-out. Alongside those two guys in the row who've just been outstanding. I think Klein is the perfect foil for a guy like Ty Byrne who's kind of given a bit of a free roll if they can slow ball up on the ground and if they can put pressure on and they can compete and set peace against this very strong Saracens team like it shouldn't just come down to one player Blandell they should be able to get him good ball and I think that was a big challenge for them against Saracens the last time they played them is that they couldn't really get over the gain line they kind of got a bit bullied I thought that day and they they relied on the kicking from Duncan Williams a little bit too much it was huge pressure on him to, to, to deliver at that part of the game if you don't get momentum anywhere else in the game it's so challenging for your 9 and 10. And I think Munster, actually, the way their pack is playing, they should be able to get a good platform for Murray and uh, and Blendell to just vary the game up a bit. And I think they have a better chance this year. But I do think... I, and I don't know what Dennis... I don't know what you think. I just, I've been so impressed with Saracens. They just don't look like they've got a weak spot. And they didn't even have Owen Farrell for that quarterfinal against Glasgow. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you make of them? I don't know, maybe you haven't seen too much of them. I haven't seen a huge amount, but the I bits I have... I saw them against Glasgow. I, I thought they were phenomenal. Just the, the power, the physicality. They, uh, you know, the pitch. The, I think I think Monsters game on that pitch against their line speed. They're, they're going to be in the Rico the Arena. Game. They're going to be in the Rico uh, Arena. Sorry, I think. The so, Rico, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little yeah. bit slower than the than the, uh, the yeah. other one. But I get your point, though. Yeah, like, but I think I think they will still bring that that level of intensity. Definitely, you know what I mean. Um, that's kind of ingrained in them. Um, and Farrell, look, Farrell is the ultimate co- competitor from what I can see, and he just looks to be a guy that's unbelievably hungry for success. He just, he's just, he's a guy that you know his passion comes across really, really well. You know, like him or load him, he, he to me is a phenomenal player. The fact that he'll be back for Saracens, you know, is a worry. But I do think, I do think with this, uh, with this monster side, you know. Especially with the back five, I said Ty Barn. I for me, Ty Barn has been Monsters' player of the season. He's really added something. He's he's a brilliant footballer. He's unbelievable on the deck, um, and also the presence you know he has in the lineout, etc. You know he's very very strong. So look, while while Saracens look really 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 set and in a really good position to to get to the final, I do think Monster can rattle them, and I do think Monsters' kicking game at 9, 10 and probably 12 I think is going to be very, very important. One thing I guess off the field that could have a bearing on it is there's been a lot of backlash to Billy Vunapola and he was booed at the weekend for, for his social media comments like if, if your best player or one of your best players is going to a game under a cloud like that surely it can have a negative impact on how he performs and if he doesn't go well then Saracens will you know, be at a disadvantage. Yeah, well, you saw the difference that he made to, to England this year um, and the difference he does make to Saracens. Himself and his brother, Mako, are just an absolute nightmare to deal with. You know, So Munster, they, they'll have to be on the game. I don't think they can rely on a load of booze from the crowd to, to stop a guy playing good rugby. Um, they can hope for it, but I don't think it'll it'll work out because those guys are actually very good when they came on late in the game against Bristol and nearly turned, turned it around. But... Um, yeah look what I would say is they have some key guys there that will like he's going to be under pressure off the back of that I'm sure he's feeling a bit of a a bit of a backlash it doesn't help it kind of it's a bit of a sideshow for Saracens this week I see McCall having to field questions from reporters and um, you know that can that can go one of two ways. It can kind of rally the team around someone, or I think it can probably take a bit away because I'm sure it's fairly it's a fairly divisive view. Um, exactly because that specific thing that he's talking about, obviously in a dressing room with different opinions and different beliefs, like that can be a bit, as you say, divisive. Well, it's usually a bit of a taboo subject amongst uh, you know amongst people. You usually you know rugby is, is supposed to be inclusive. It doesn't matter what race or creed or whatever you believe in. You all go on the pitch and you're all thrown around a bag of wind uh, wrapped in leather, and it's supposed to be a bit of fun and you you know you make friendships for life and it doesn't really matter where everyone's from one of the great parts of the game is that you know, I get to hang around with, with you know a few tip lads. They get to keep me on me ground, you know, keep me grounded, or you know whatever it may, or, they, or you know you get to mix from the guys from the north you wouldn't normally mix with. And, you know, it, that's the great part about rugby, and it's always been really inclusive. And you just don't want to see that part of the game, um, you know, that that kind of stuff creep into the game, and it could be divisive. But 
do I think it will be? I don't think so. I think it's going to come down to the guys on the pitch at the time, who implements their game plan better um, and who I think has that extra little bit of quality on the day because I think both defences are very good. So it's going to take a little bit of magic or just you know a really composed display from the people who are marshalling both teams around and maybe the pack. The pack is usually where those games are. Like can Whoever gets a little bit of momentum, who can get an edge in defence, who can put that extra little bit of line speed on all day, who can last the attritional bit a little bit longer, that's probably going to be the difference rather than maybe something... That kind of an all-field circus, really, I think. Yeah, Dennis, what do you make of that? Do you think that kind of a, a controversy like that going into such a big game, and as Luke mentioned, like Mark McCall is having to ask, answer questions, they have to release statements. Like, is that kind of stuff, could that negatively impact them, do you think? I think it's a distraction, yeah, certainly. I mean, Mark McCall doesn't want to be feeling that sort of stuff. That, as Luke, you said, that doesn't really have any part in the game, and it's, it's just a distraction. You want to be talking rugby, not really... Um, you know, outside stuff like, uh, like uh, I suppose personal opinions or whatever that may be. Um, I think I think he won't be thanked for what he's what he's done um, by his teammates or his management. But look, I do I really think it'll have an effect on the game. I don't think so. I think these guys are professional rugby players. Um, they're used to playing in big games and they push that sort of stuff to one side and, and just get on with the job. I I can't see it having. Um, you know, a huge effect on the result, really. You know, although it is very disappointing to see it creeping into the to to, to the build up in the game. You know, that sort of thing probably, you know, has nothing to do with the the game at all. You know. And just moving on to the other semi-final, Luke Lencer versus Toulouse, set up really nicely. Like Toulouse have been going. I think the only game they've lost, you know, since like early November has been that one in the RDS in January. They beat Claremont 47-44 the weekend. Ches and Colby just playing absolutely amazingly. And in contrast, Leinster have been off colour. I think since maybe. Probably that game in, in Munster just before uh, January in late December. You know, a, a loss to Glasgow at the RDS, a draw with Trevizio at the RDS. Should have lost that one too. Yeah, like what? What have you made of the way they've been playing, or even yeah, their performance level? They've been a little bit mixed for me, and it's it, there's just a few similarities with the Irish team, and I, the two that I really pick out are I think the defensive intensity. Um, I think the the. The willingness to go forward and to put pressure and to tackle people behind the gain line, that was something that Leinster improved massively over the last... And they were really cohesive there. And I thought they married that alongside... You know, the the outside defensive times. Sometimes you're down numbers and they do get the ball there and you have to manage, you have to give up space. I thought they did that way better than the year before. And that's what differentiated Leinster big time for me between last year where they got they won the double and the year before where they, they didn't they didn't win anything. So I think that's a that's a concern is the defensive piece. But I think the, the only the good the one good thing I would say is that they're in the right positions. They're just they're lacking that willingness to go forward and to take a chance. I think Robbie Henshaw could be a big guy to help improve them defensively. He's just so brave at coming forward. He just keeps going and he's really accurate in the tackle. He's rarely misses one he's so committed in there so I'm hoping he'll have a big impact alongside Gary Ringrose he'll make his job an awful lot easier and off the back of that the wingers so I think they'll be, be they'll be far better at marshalling the uh, the Toulouse def, uh, attack than, uh, than than Claremont will have been that would be my one call I think Leinster will improve big, big time defensively and be way more aggressive but on the other side I think in attack amongst the forwards you saw the big difference when Ty Furline came on when Sean O'Brien was passing the ball it's something that I, that I noticed with Ireland they were trying to bash through teams like Leinster were going through phase after phase against Glasgow and just it was the same thing just trying to bully them just get out like whenever they, they threw a little pass either out the back or to the next forward runner they made things far more complex for the for the Glasgow defenders and it, it makes the, the other team having to make decisions I think they need to be brave. They need to play in there. They have forwards there who've got brilliant handling ability. They need to use that. Like that's a big strength for you if you can do that. And it's been a big differentiator. That's what I thought Ireland did way better last year than this year in the Six Nations. Those two things, defensively and the forward interplay. They need to be brave in those two things. They need to keep coming forward and trust their ability. So they're they're not playing well. But I think they can turn it around quickly. It just takes a few little tweaks. And Dennis, I'm sure you like you'll know the same thing. When a team is ticking, and I think Munster are kind of ticking at the moment. It's just a few small things that I, that I think make the difference in the big games. I mean, if you've looked, have you seen any of the Leinster games the last couple? They struggled against Bennett and they struggled against Glasgow to break through, which is kind of hasn't been the case the last you know year or two with them. I thought they've been really good, and I don't know what you thought about the defensive side. If you if you got a chance to see them, yeah, no, I know. I watched them. I watched the Ulster game, you know, and I think that they did. The point you make, they they did struggle on the day, and and 
you know, Ulster probably missed a, a, a big opportunity from their point of view to win the game. I think they've, they'll be still kicking themselves, obviously. They had huge moments that they left behind them. But, yeah, look, it, it's not a, that was not a performance you'd associate with Leinster. Um, just probably the accuracy. While they're, while they're still doing things at a very high quality, you, the real, real accuracy and uh, intricate detail is probably just a little bit off. And that can happen, though, with teams. That can, you know, that Leinster team, you know, there have been a lot of those guys around for a long time. And, and that can happen, you know, there'll be dips in form and, and stuff like that. I just think I just think at, at a semi-final stage, um, Leinster haven't been there before. You know, the real pressure cooker environment that, that it will be. I think they, they're better set to, to deal with that occasion than Toulouse. Like, uh, Toulouse um, looked phenomenal against Claremont at times. So the rugby they were, they were playing was really, really exciting. And it was brilliant to see that sort of inventiveness coming back into French rugby and, and Toulouse rugby because, you know, I would have grown up myself watching the early, the, the early uh, Toulouse teams that, that took part in the European uh, Cup and they were phenomen- phenomenal. They were just a different gravy altogether. And it was great to see that coming back. But I just think, you know, the the finer details, I think, will probably be done better by Leinster. And, and they'll, they'll probably, I would imagine Leinster, with their experience, will be aware that, you know, they're not quite clicking, they're not quite where they need to be. And a lot of those things will, will probably see the, the better side of it on, on the weekend. And look, the, probably the big talking point going into the game, or, or one of them, is how Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster manage that selection dilemma regarding their overseas players. Oh. So they're going to have to pick two of James Lowe, Jameson Gibson Park and Scott Fardy. They've opted for Gibson Park and Scott Fardy for the majority of the games recently. Like, it feels like I haven't seen James Lowe play in, in ages, considering he was like the form player in Europe almost for the first couple of rounds. Like, you think back to that Wasps game, I know it was the opening night of the whole tournament, but how good the team looked, how great he played. And now you, you might see him not play at all in the European semi-final. Like, what two out of the three would you be picking? Oh, he has to play. He has to play. I'd be interested to hear Dennis's opinion on him. I've just been unbelievably impressed with the guy. He's he's just so exciting. He's the guy that went like for on the, for example on the weekend. You know, he's the kind of guy that would have broken the game up. He could bust through a guy. He can get an offload. He can sidestep so like he can do it all. He's a nice kicking game. Um, he's just so physical. He's the guy that Leinster can like. They can just go to him and like, go to Robbie Henshaw. Get over the game line every time, and then they're on the front foot. And guys like Johnny Sexton have an extra half a second on the ball. He's, I've been really impressed with him. Like it's a real dilemma because they only played Jameson Gibson Park for eight minutes um, in the match against Ulster, and you've someone like James Lowe sitting on the bench. Like, but what do you make of that kind of dilemma they have, uh, Dennis? Yeah, I think like um, for me, Lowe is is, a, is an unbelievable player. I. I, I Happened to be up at the um, Leinster Munster probably. Yeah, final. the Leinster Munster game uh, last year, uh, in the, and um, oh man, to me, I was just happened to be standing beside him. The guy is huge. He's he's massive. Uh, I couldn't believe how big he was, and just the the physicality of him, the pace he runs at, the feet the guy has. You know, he carries the ball around like a peanut in his hand. <laughs> um, he's got this big, massive left foot booming kick on him. Um, I just, I mean, how do you not pick him? I, I, he's a phenomenal player, you know. Um, surely, surely you have to pick him. The damage the guy does, the amount of worry he's going to give defenders, like he's an incredible player. And the the, the real issue is is like then I think it becomes the like the other two guys. Like I, I think. I'd have to, you'd have to pick Fardy, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, well, uh, what can, do you think? Will? Yeah, you think they'd be my two. Like, can you trust Dick McCarthy? But, but I, I'd agree with you. If you're only giving him eight minutes off the bench, surely you can trust him to, to play eight minutes. Oh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't. Well, like, what if I've, Scott Fardy has been one of the signings. Or like, he's just gone under the radar, uh, Dennis. Uh, like, as a six or as a second row, he's just been unbelievable and he's brilliant with yeah. all the young guys around the setup. But he's also been great in the big games for Leinster. Like, I think yeah, I think you have to pick those two. I like James James and Gibson Park is an excellent player, but the I just think those two guys, Fardy and, and Lowe, like they have to play for me. Like, what do you make of that? Who, like, who would you be picking out of the three? Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. I, I look, I mean, um, Fardy, like you say, his influence on the game, that what he does to the players around him, how he how he gets them going. He's a huge player. His ability in the line out, just his, you know, his understanding of the game, his experience. He's been a phenomenal as well um, for Leinster. I, I look. Gibson Park is a great player as well, but surely, you know, you, you find, I'm not sure who, who would come in in the nine reserve berth, but, you know, for me, Fardy and, and Lowe, they're two absolute sensations. 
Well, they have two good. Like I mean, Nick McCarthy is obviously heading down to to Munster, and he's a, he's a good bit of business. He's a nice player. Needs needs time to, to to grow. I think at the level he hasn't been exposed enough there. Uh, for, for in my opinion, um, Will might disagree, but well, I, I they, think they he's brought a, him off the bench. I think it was against Saracens in the quarterfinal last year, and he didn't have a good twenty minutes. I think that kind of coloured their view towards the semi and the final, and then they dropped. They left low out because they they felt they needed Gibson Park to be to be in yeah, there. Yeah, but I, Hugh O'Sullivan's been very good yeah. whenever he's whenever he's had an opportunity. He's a young guy. It'd be great to see him get an opportunity against the likes of Toulouse. And could he hack the pressure? He has lots of experience around him. Jack Conan at eight, Sean. Brian at seven probably Johnny Sexton at ten like he has loads of people around him he just needs to he, I think you could fit a young guy in there if even if he if, yeah. if if Luke McGrath went off after five minutes which is I presume the, the scenario they're trying to guard against by picking a Jameson Gibson Park I think you have to back a young guy there this is a time where they really grow in those games and I think he'll have lots of support around him um, I don't know do, do, you, do you kind of feel that way but I think like Sometimes you just have to throw the guys in there and give them an opportunity, uh, Dennis. I mean, you would have seen it with, say, the likes of a Keith Earls, where you just see all the ability, but at some point you just got to throw him in against uh, Brian O'Driscoll or Gordon Darcy. And I, even to go back to 2009, like the amount he would have learned from playing like um, playing against uh, Brian O'Driscoll and that. Do you remember the one where he jumped out of the line and he went and uh, Brian O'Driscoll went behind to Nassiwa for the first Darcy try? Like the amount of things that Keith Earls would have learned from that occasion, even if it didn't go right for him. And then he had the, those moments of magic where he made the big break as well so he has moments where he's saying do you know what actually I need to work on some things in my game but I also know that I can still make a break against the best centre partnership in the world in that game as well so like there'll be good and bad for a minute but that's where you grow and that's where you become a great player like Keith Earls and for me this is something like that for, for the likes of Hugh O'Sullivan do, do you kind of agree with any of that Liam's am I oh, making yeah, sense no, I agree 100% with that Luke I, I, I couldn't agree more to be honest I think you, you always have to you know, you pick your best uh, 15. Now, I understand the, the rules and regulations get involved, but for me, you pick your best 15 and then you deal with what comes along during the game and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be different things happen and you adjust in that. But I think you have to, you have to pick your best 15 and then, you know, uh, work accordingly within that. And if that is Young O'Sullivan or whoever it may be, I think you've got to trust the guy. He's been training as much as anyone, I'd imagine, over the last couple of years. He knows all the plays. He knows the ex- he knows what the exits are. He knows the patterns. He knows what ne- what's needed in, in these games. So why not? Young players have to be thrown in at some stage. Um, you know, I, I, would tr- I would back a guy 100% in that scenario, to be fair. And another guy who has an interesting game ahead of him is Johnny Sexton, if he's fit. You know, he, he hasn't played for Leinster since that game against Munster in December, so he hasn't played for them, you know, in 2019. He's only played eight of 24 games for Leinster this season through injuries and through being rested. So he maybe hasn't had that much time to gel with the Leinster team, which, while somewhat similar to the Ireland team, is also going to have a lot of different personnel. It's, so he's under a bit of pressure, considering especially his Six Nations form, which, to be honest, was probably his worst Six Nations of his career. So he's coming in. Jesus, that's a big... That's a big statement. Well, like, <laughs> you slipped that one in there. Did you hear that, Liams? <laughs> Jesus. No, I, <laughs> My God. You know, he's well playing the air, but by his own admission. Oh, he's, he's, back in, he's backtracking here now. You can't see him I, here. He's no, backtracking. I, you can quote me on that. I'll, I'll stand by it. But, it, you know, he's hit the ground running before coming back yeah. in from a layoff, but... There's no getting away from. Him. He's under a lot of pressure as well. He is. Look, but he's uh, he's just so much experience. He and he's done it. You know, countless times before. It's not ideal. Uh, you know, you would wish that you'd, you'd hope the team was actually playing a little bit better around him. But I also think on the if, my, if I kind of move it to the side, move that little bit to the side, and I kind of think, well, Leinster aren't playing well. Like, who could really give them that extra little bit of oomph? It's it's going to be a Johnny Sexton. He's he can drive the team forward in attack and in defence. He's a guy that like as much as he's in a good place to be communicating. He's loud. He, he wants the best from people. He will give out to guys. He'll get the you know he'll get the temperature up in the game. There's no doubt about that. And maybe that's something that Leinster have missed. You know, and they've missed. He's he, like. As much as we talk, like he's so confident. Like he will be demanding that guys trust themselves as well. He was always something that I really liked about Johnny. Is that it's hard to to kind of explain it to people who haven't played with him. He's kind of a bit. And, and Dennis will be able to tell you the same about Raj. They were like, if you call for it, I'm gonna like call for it. I want you calling for. It. I want you wanting the ball for me. Johnny's gonna. He's gonna be saying that to guys around him. He's gonna be saying to that extra forward pod. You better you if you better ask the other four guy that you if you want the ball you better trust yourself and you better you know deliver on it, and I always felt that about those guys that they're they bring out the best in other guys as well because they actually will throw you the pass if you call for it you're getting the ball like that's and oftentimes younger players will say oh, I'm not 100 percent sure I don't trust the call I don't like the scenario he will just keep giving you the ball do, I, do you ever like great tens for me like you would you played with Raj for so long Liam's like. 
I always felt whenever I played with him as well, like if you call for that ball, you were getting it. He was trusting your call. He trusted the guys around him. And I think Johnny's very similar. Do you, like I think he could, he could be the catalyst to make Leinster play better is what I'm getting yeah, at. Absolutely. Like, and, 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 these guys, and these are the guys, I mean, Roger is the man, the best. Roger would have demanded the best out of the guys around him. Johnny does that as well. You can see the fire in the belly. You can see how vocal he is. He, he's, you know, the the impact on the game he has is, is very, very clear for everyone to see. But I think the the other thing as well is, you know, with all due respect to, to Ross Byrne as well, who's a very, very good young player, but when Toulouse look at the team sheet and they see Sexton's name on it, you know, suddenly there's a little bit of a more of a fear factor. And they're a young team as well, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, and they haven't been at this stage for a while. I think Johnny is a massive name. He's played in France. He'll send a little bit of a shiver up a few of them. You know what I mean? And, you know, there, there'll be a little bit of an intimidation factor for, for, for those boys, especially the French coming to Dublin. That's exactly the way you'd want it. You know, um, they're not the best travellers. And, you know, with Sexton on the team sheet, on the pitch, you know, just his presence alone is huge, I feel. Uh, yeah, uh, look, that's uh, summed up uh, extremely well, Liam's as, as always. You're always about sometimes about a few words, but we <laughs> always listen to you when you were speaking. Listen, uh, how, how's everything going besides? I mean, what are you up to these days? We're always, we always like to get a bit of a, an, an ask about what the, the uh, ex guys are doing uh, with themselves. What are you up to these days? Yeah, so I'm yeah back home living in Cashel and uh, keep them, I'm still involved in the game. I coach uh, Cashel at AIL Division 2A. Uh, we have a big playoff game against Navin uh, at the weekend. So uh, hopefully, hopefully they're an early kickoff so we don't clash with the Monster game. And also, um, I'm a technical advisor to Rockwell College as well. Um, and that is more than enough rugby for me at this at this uh, time <laughs> of my life. I'm also I've got three young kids, uh, three under uh, two and a half. So very very busy from that point Jesus. of view. And uh, I'm also <laughs> trying to I'm also trying to keep you all fed up up in Dublin. I'm rearing a few uh, bullocks to, to keep the best mistakes <laughs> up to you there. So uh, busy man. Yeah, so doing a bit of farming as well. So uh, you know it's all good and. Uh, Oh, lucky! I can't complain. Yeah, happy days. And how do you find the coaching of the young guys, particularly? Because I always felt like I remember you were one of the guys who would have yourself, and I remember particularly uh, yourself and Wally were guys who really impressed me when I first came in as a young guy into the Irish camp. But it was it wasn't just the the physicality; it was the technical ability. You're always a you know, great hands for for a big guy. I mean, how do you find that part? Are you like a technical coach, or are you like what kind of coach are you? Yeah, look, I think the game has moved on hugely over the last couple of years and you're trying to you're trying to, you know, develop the skills of the young player. You're encouraging them to the tip on passes, you're encouraging, you know, feet before contact and you're encouraging look, I like players to be skillful if I can get that across to them, if you can get ingrained that into players. I really love skillful forwards. That's that's something that, you know, um I think the best the better you can make your forwards in terms of footballers the more opportunities you're going to create. We know that, you know, you're going to have decent backs, but if you're if you're if you're one to eight or footballers and they're able to throw these passes, these out the back door passes, whatever it may be, it's going to create huge opportunities. So I'm trying to develop that an awful lot. I do like to bring the I suppose the dog in them as well and, and, and <laughs> have that little bit of an edge and, and you know uh, I can't believe that Liam that's, uh, that's <laughs> really astonishing to me now that you're trying to coach that into lads <laughs> yeah but uh, look it is, it is part of the game and look I mean I, I, the one thing I meant to say I'm, I'm hugely disappointed that Dan Levy is has suffered oh, that injury, yeah. and it's a. I think he's a massive loss for Leinster, but you know, a huge loss for Ireland as well. I'm be a massive fan of Dan Levy and just what he does, and you know, those types of players um, who've got that edge, that physicality, but also got the ability to play the game in the right way. And that's, I suppose, you're 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 forever trying to get that across to young guys, whatever their ability may be. You're gonna sometimes you come across a, a very talented young guy, but you you treat them all as uh, as level as you possibly can. I guess you know. Well, Dennis, it's been a pleasure having you on. I might just get a prediction for the two games this weekend before I let you go. Oh, okay. Leinster are going to win in Dublin, I think. And now um, it's going to need a big performance. They're going to have to be back to almost their best. But I, I do think they have the experience, the guile, the players to get across the line. I I think it, it's a massive task for Munster over in the recall. Um, and... 
I'm going to go with my heart here. I think Munster are going to shock Saracens. Ah, you, um, you couldn't have said it now, Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been I, disowned. I mad, but let, let's go with it. Uh, I think it'll be a, it'll yeah. be one of the great days in Munster's history. Hopefully, so fingers crossed. We we still have the dream. You know what I mean? It's you know it'll be it'll be fantastic. It really would. Well, Liam's look. Thanks a million for for coming on the show. It was a it was a wee bit last minute, but uh, <laughs> teammates look out for each other, even ex ones. Um, so thanks a million for coming on. And it's great to hear you're you're going so well and so busy. So uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. All right, listen. Best of luck. Absolute pleasure, lads. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Cheers. Dennis. Cheers, okay. Liam's. So, Luke Dennis is going for an All Irish final. How do you think this weekend will go? Oh, I hate to be a spoiler. Um, Toulouse Saracens. I no, I don't <laughs> think that. I think. Uh, it'll be a bit too much of an ask for Toulouse, who are a young team. Uh, tr- I, you know, I don't think the French teams will travel well. I think if, if Leinster have Sexton back and if they pick low, uh, they, they might just have a little bit too much for them, is, is, is my view on it. So I think Leinster will win. Um, I think Munster, I think that's going to be too far an ask. I think it's going to be a really tight one, though. Um, and I, don't, I wouldn't count them out. I think this team is really growing. Uh, I still think they have a just an, just another little bit to go to beat the likes of a Saracens for me. Um, I think I think it's going to be Saracens. I just think of it's more. It's not so much. I'm not. Re- I don't think Munster have. I think maybe they're a little bit off Saracens. I just think Saracens are so bloody good at the moment. I think they look the re- they look like the team to beat. They you know they look comfortable against Glasgow, um, who are a good team who are used to playing on that Astro pitch as well. Uh, with even without the likes of an Owen Farrell, who's obviously a key guy for for them, so I expect them to just have a little bit too much for for Munster in the end. So I'm I'm tipping a, a Leinster Saracens final. Well, it's set up to be an absolutely cracking weekend, and that's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great podcast reviewing the Champions Cup semi-finals. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>